about to work actually the podcast that delves into the reality behind different jobs and careers I've had some really lovely feedback on recent podcasts and seen a real spike in listens to my chat with Gemma, the wedding and event stylist, which has just been so popular and that was done before Christmas. So I wonder if that means people are getting quite excited about wedding season again, which is nice. There might be some light appearing at the end of the tunnel. But today's chat is with the fabulous Catherine Elizabeth, an award-winning milliner, which means hat maker. And we talk all about the art of millinery and her incredible creations, the history of hat making, the influences, the craft, the route she took, her inspirations, and how she's helping build the next generation of milliners with amazing workshops and millinery academy that she runs and has thrived in lockdown. So I hope you enjoy the chat. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining work, actually. Um, I had, as you know, technical issues just before, but we've made it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's lovely. I'm a bit excited all day about doing this. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, same. Well, it's it's great to speak to you. And I'm so intrigued to speak to you and learn more about the art of millinery, something I know absolutely nothing about whatsoever so I'm just going to say that right to the start I know nothing okay but I quite like that because and I'm sure people listening will be in the same position as me where I can just get a whole education in the across the next hour from you from an expert in the field so uh so I'm very excited about that <laughs> great well um a millinery is a bit of a funny name as well isn't it when you hear of a milliner and you think what, what's that who's that a milliner did you make bread some people used to say to me when I first started say I'm not a miller I'm a milliner right yeah of course yeah I can see around that is quite difficult <laughs> yeah absolutely you can see the connection because it, it's it, how old is that term I mean it must be centuries old yeah I'm not sure a few hundred at least apparently it came from Milan so oh. used to be milliners. I think hat makers are men and milliners are women. Milliners. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Right, but something like that. So it came from Milan. Um, yeah, and we've adopted it. Right, okay. So <laughs> it's nice. essentially you make head pieces, don't you? Hats and head pieces, accessories, so things like fascinators and things. Yeah. So when I first started, I thought the hats are quite boring. I, I went to fashion, study fashion at university and I never really discovered hats. I knew about shoes. I'm obsessed with bags or accessories and clothes, but with clothes as well. I kept wanting things to come out of them. I was trying to make 3D clothes all the time. And they're saying, calm down. No, you've got to make me things more commercial. I thought, I don't want to. And then when I discovered hats, I thought, wow, it's like art, sculpture. It's all in one. You know, it's something that you can make within a few hours. Well, maybe a day or two that is a sculptured piece that you can wear to make you feel taller and stand taller and all that so I love it but I used to think it was just something to put on your head to keep you warm before I really understood millinery I thought you know oh, it's just boring it's just a felt thing or something and then I said oh my god you can make sculptures that you can wear so then I got, got obsessed with it and started discovering all the other milliners and what they do and, um, and so I make sculptural hats I'd say for Ascot for the races that's my favorite time um, I like to make unusual pieces for stylist magazines. And I've just had, now I'm so excited, this stylist, um, you can't see that, but it's not, it's a magazine. And um, she's just, she did a shoot with me recently and it's just come out. So I'm like, ah, and that's got a spaceship sort of silver crazy sculptural piece on it. So you wouldn't wear that normally, but it's just a nice piece of art that, you know, it gets you attention it gets you more press attention well yeah you've kind of touched upon the kind of functionality of a hat which you said at the start and now you've moved into 
a craft of fashion, haven't you? And 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 the making of something quite um, of a statement or, or something like sculptured. You know, it's a it's a piece of art essentially. What you're talking about there, isn't it? Yeah, because I said I come from an artist background and I started off drawing, painting, love sculpture. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but just knew I loved that side of it. And then the only reason why I moved into fashion was I wanted, well, I wanted to do lots of different things. But I remember thinking, right, I'm going to be a graphic designer now. And then my tutors just said, no, you're going to be um, more of a textile person because you're more like textiles and 3D. And I was layering up fabrics and things. They said, go into textiles. I'm like, oh, shall I? Okay. So they pushed me into that way. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, you're right, you're right, yeah. And then a tutor we had, she was into shoes. So then I got obsessed with that 3D form as well. And it developed from there, really. And then, I, and then when I realised that art hats, like I just said, can be pieces of art that you wear, that puts it all together. Because clothes as well, I kept wanting to have um, big shoulder pads and sort of make them more, something like theatrical, I suppose. Um, so I would could have been a theatrical designer. I've gone down that route. But hats is, is putting that theatrical thing on your head. Um, and it makes women look I think prettier if you have the right one for you you stand taller you have more confidence it can take away certain elements of your face that you don't like so if you have a chin you don't like or a nose you don't like or eyes you don't like then the, the hat will take away from that and just accentuate the good points yeah. so you do have to work out what hat would suit what person but there's I've got so many so many questions and one <laughs> of them was actually how do you find a hat that suits you and I suppose you now well, no, you probably know as soon as you see someone's face, maybe what kind of hat or headpiece would suit them and yeah. and what bits it would accentuate. Just explain, just because we're obviously, it's an audio form, a podcast, explain the hat that you're wearing at the moment, because it's absolutely incredible. I mean, it's beautiful, yeah. but I don't, I was just about to try and explain what it looked like, but I don't think I'm going to do it justice. So you do it. <laughs> I suppose it, well, it's, it's a disc um, that is sculpted. So one side is higher than the other. So I've got one bit coming down over the eye and the other bit sculpting up. Because I think that that, that as well is it's better for the face than just having something flat. You need some, you know, your eye needs to follow up the hat. Right. So from one point up to another. And if you have a flat hat, it can cut your face, so it makes your face look shorter, makes you look shorter. So slanted is always good. And the actual hat I've got on is silver with a yellow, with an orange uh, quill running through it, and it's been laser cut. So it's got all these little diamondy sort of, I suppose about centimetre wide, each little diamond square cut out. And it's a plastic piece, so it's made from like more modern fabrics, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally I do cinema or straw, but this is more of a futuristic one. Mm-hmm. So then it's all been all cut out into this pattern, which just your eye just then goes around the hat. So the, the, the holes get smaller and smaller as you go to the middle. So it's sort of, it's it's not too messy in a way you think, the way I'm describing it, it sounds like all cut out bits and it's a mess. But when you look at it, it's, it's quite symmetrical. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, graphic designers would like this sort of look. And it could be made into a piece of jewellery as well. So this sort of thing that's happening, this, oh, you can see the lines, can't you? Yes. Doing the curve as well. Um, so the, that sort of thing is works well in jewellery. And I've seen a lot of this in jewellery. I suppose it's quite a Middle Eastern sort of, um text it's incredible it really captures yeah it captures your eye and and it's it's almost mesmerizing you can see different bits of it can't you so it's quite simple but still there's enough going on yeah on different sides 
So when you you decided, okay, I'm studying fashion and, and you became interested in, in hats and headwear, did you then go and look at the history of, of hat making and, you know, what that has meant, you know, that what that industry means, where it's come from, how it's developed to, to then, you know, how it influences fashion today? Yeah, I suppose I love Dior. So I went straight to Dior and straight to the hats and straight to what, to what sort of things they make. Um, but really, I was I, I look at history a little bit, but I'm not so into sort of bonnets and, and that. I'm more at a futuristic look. So And I love sculptures and I love architecture. So I come from the country and, and nature is always put into the hats, but also I love architecture. So I moved to the city as soon as I could, to the horror of some of my people thinking, what are you doing? But I just love that mix. Um, so I bring that into the hats. And it's, so it's not so much fluffy it is more the future I would look to the future more than I would look to the past necessarily except for big designers like Dior um, but then I was obsessed with Alexander McQueen love Vivian Westwood as I was growing up all those big designers do you remember the clothes show that that program oh yeah <laughs> as it every I can't remember what day it was but whatever day it was every Sunday or something I'd just sit down there and be obsessed with all those clothes and then people around me would say, well, you can't wear that. And it's like, no, but look at it. Look at the dresses and look at the sort of the, the catwalks. So, yeah, I think that you, you always take a little bit from history. No designer would create something completely out of nowhere. They're always taking things from history or imagining what's happening in the future or taking from another designer and then putting that with another theme, with the trends and, and then changing it into something else just for them. Yeah, yeah. So you advertise the kind of pieces that you do are for events such as and it's the ones you kind of think of aren't they your ascots your your big kind of race days weddings um is that now the kind of main market for hats and and headpieces because I don't know if you know in whether the golden age of of hats and um headpieces was before you know and now it's it's kind of gone down to these kind of special events you know rather than a, a weekly um item that you'd wear what what's the kind of changes you've seen and is that the case yeah I wish we could go back a hundred years I'd be so happy with all of the right right yeah hats all the time I remember Nana saying to me that her mother always had to wear hats wherever she went but then she grew a dislike to hats because she was probably forced to wear them at school and things like that and I'm thinking how can you not like hats oh my god I would love to just wear them all the time so now I'm a bit like oh we can't you know go down the street wearing this big thing but I would love to do that um so it has declined a little bit yes um I think in the 70s it sort of grew back again um and and became more popular and then Stephen Jones revamped it and Philip Tracy and made it all and then the royal family have really really helped to keep hats alive and keep it growing so it's from the 70s it's been coming back again in the 60s it was a like a no-no they know all the hat blocks were burnt I've just read um, articles on towering towers of hat blocks just being burnt because the young people didn't want to be the same as their parents so they would sort of get rid of it all and then in the 70s it started coming back I think it was David Schilling and he had a, an article talking about that and he did a lot of work on bringing hats back and his mum going to Ascot and wearing crazy hats so that really helped and then it's just grown and grown and grown so we're at a good time right now and last year well pre-covid 
I noticed that a lot of the magazines were putting more haps in and it was becoming more norm. So you're getting more high streets making them. People can just pick them up easier. More people are getting more comfortable in hats. So it is coming back and it's better. And I'm hoping now, this when this COVID is finished, um, you know, everybody's going to be wanting to glam up, dress up. It's, it's gonna, They're going to go crazy and, and just you know wanting to go to these events and wearing hats again. So um, where I suppose it's, there's, there's less people wanting them, but there might be less milliners as well, but we're all, um, it's okay. You know, we're all sort of working our way, getting clients, getting certain clients. Um, there's enough around if you can find the customers. So if you don't do any marketing, then nobody will come to you. But if you're doing your marketing, then you can find the right customers and then slowly, slowly bring them to you. And when you say the right customers, because you work you work in London and, and the items that you create are all handmade, aren't they? And you use yeah. incredible materials. Like on your website, it talks about, you know, fine French lace and Italian <laughs> silks. So automatically, you know that the quality of what you're producing is very, very high. Mm. So when you say the the audience and clients, you're looking at wealthy people who, who like to spend in these areas. Is that right? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. So you're making something very special for that person that's a one-off piece. I mean, all my hats are one-off, so I never make it again. Some people have different models. They might do wholesale. They might um, make 20 or 30 of the same hat. They might make 100 of the same hat. So their price is going to be different. But if you're a couture designer and you're going for those couture clients and you're hand-making everything, it's a one-off piece, um, you know, and that it's very special fabrics, then you are looking for those high-end people that can afford that and that is hard because there aren't that so many of them um and they 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 would go for somebody who's got the kudos or got the name so you know you're you slowly slowly building up your name building up your brand don't think you're going to get them straight away but don't worry about that either just spend the time making and learning and um you know selling to to other people who you can sell to and then you're building up build up customers that you really want um, so it's all fun and it's all marketing and there's so much in it. Like being a hat designer, well, any other business, I suppose, you have to have so many different hats. Your PR head and your marketing head and you're bringing in the customers and making sure it's all luxury. Um, yeah, and all your social medias and things like that to try and attract the right people. It's so visual, isn't it? What you're creating is so visual to look at and, and to, to scroll through and see the designs. Um, it, it really helps, doesn't it? Yeah, people can really see that. It also helps to bring in stylists and personal shoppers. Yeah. Because they're seeing your work and they're being like, oh, okay, you know, I could use that um, in a in an in an article. And then that gets you press again. So I'd say that Instagram um, is really good for that side of it. I mean, bringing in customers as well, but it's sort of building your kudos. Like I say, it's good for getting press interest. They've got somewhere to go. It's like your portfolio for them to have a look. And clients, they don't just go to one place. They'll go all over if they're looking at you. They'll look at your website. They'll look at your Instagram. Um, they might look at your, I don't know if they look at your Twitter or not. I don't do so much on that now. But um, so, so some different social medias, then they'll Google you and they'll just get a few reviews. And then if they feel comfortable, then they come to you or if, they, or if you've been recommended. And you you explained that you studied fashion. So you you carved out the the love for it that way by by trying different things is it also I don't know why this came into my head but I thought is it a profession that's perhaps passed down through generations has it been a bit like tailoring you imagine you know where perhaps you know a parent has done it or a grandparent has done it and you've learned the trade that way 
Yeah, so it's a lot of the milliners have been taught by people like Rose Corey and just some of the amazing milliners. Um, she used to make for the Queen Mother, I think it was. Um, so there's a lots of milliners who have been taught themselves by people, um, you know, who are greater than them at the time and passed it down. And then they've passed it down to other milliners and they've passed it on. Um, so if you're lucky enough to have been to learn anybody like that, it's great. But there's so many milliners now doing classes and teaching and learning. And I always like to say that you you um, put put it all together in your hand making everything. I don't use glue unless it's a stiffener. So I don't like that side of millinery. Somebody's getting a feather and just gluing it on something. I would like to, I like to try and keep to the old techniques um, and sort of learn as much as I can about the old techniques and keep them alive. And then I can then pass that on and teach that to other people as well. So I think that's really millinery. If you're trying to learn the best techniques and then you can pass them on as well later on. That's a great thing. Yeah, because I was reading your website about how you do teaching and I was wondering, you mentioned traditional techniques there, how how much traditional techniques still inform how you make hats? And is it a craft that needs preserving? Is it something that you could worry might be lost? Yeah, I suppose you do. But there's so many milliners now teaching and, and things going on. I, I it, it might be lost if people started to be too lax on it and like oh that'll do but I think don't think people are doing that I think when people fall in love with millinery they really want to learn the craft they really want to do it properly and they learn as much as they can so me I mean I have uh, an academy which I luckily started just before covid which is amazing so it's a millinery academy and um, in there I teach people how to make hats and we also go over the business side a bit because I think that's really important as well for them to learn how to um, you know grow the business but in that everybody is so enthusiastic they want to know everything they're asking questions questions sharing work really trying to do it properly and there's some superb milliners we've got newbies and we've got people that have been doing it for a long time who are really trying to hone the craft and they're you know I'm proud of them and they're proud of what they're doing and they all you know the young ones the new ones want to aspire to be as good as the other people and so they grow and learn and so it's it's nice because people have stayed in it through throughout lockdown and, and some people I've still got from right at the beginning when I started it so um you know to stay because of the community as well and so sort of helping each other and we have Q&As and all the training we bring in experts and things like that so it's that's been really nice. Oh incredible so you go back to then university so you decided right I'm, I'm enjoying this I'm enjoying learning about millinery and I think this is an area I want to pursue so what how did you then go from university to actually thinking right I'm going to do this and make it my career did you go to a fashion house and work there um so I at the at the end of uni that we had to do clothes they said right you're going to do your collection on clothes and I thought no I'm not <laughs> so it's yeah, like I'm not doing clothes so it's me and another I think another um, milliner guy who wanted to do millinery we were the only two and we thought right we're going to work on this because so a lady came from Frederick Fox and she had a hat that she'd cast from rocks and I was like, that is amazing she'd made that because normally we make them out of wood but she'd made her own cast so she'd got I think it was chicken wire and put this over rocks and then made the cinema cast from that cast that she'd made so what you do is put chicken wire on you put plaster cast on it you wait for that to dry take it off and then you've got this mold and then you put the cinema which is a straw fabric on top of that and then create a shape so I thought wow that's it oh my god so it's not all hand sewing and using a sewing machine it's um sculpting and creating so that's where I the spark went off I thought that's what I really want to do so I have to do this as my final sort of fashion show at the end of the year um and so I sort of started making then hats um that were sculptures and then I, I did a whole thing where I was going from one piece of the flower was in the ground 
and it, it, a volcano happened. That was it. So it was a volcano happened. So one hat was like a volcano. And then the other hat was just coming out of the ground, little buds of flower. And then it grew and grew and grew into this big hat. So it was about five or six hats in this collection um, to, to make the whole thing. And then I just thought, I've really got to learn. So I went and applied to work for Stephen Jones. And I actually yeah. got some time with Stephen Jones working in his studio in London which was amazing Um, and I was there with Noel Stewart at the time don't know if you remember me but I was there with him and he taught me one amazing trick that in my academy I do tell some people (laughs) but not everybody because this is a secret Um, so he taught me some things and that was really lovely and then also I went to work for Catherine Delaney so I gave up my time you know I was at that time you didn't get paid for work experience so I was giving up my time to learn um, and then giving back by making things for them so Catherine Delaney I must have been there about eight months or so three days a week just sort of learning as much as I could gathering as much information and then learning myself as well and experimenting and trying things out and then I moved around a bit after that. I thought, well, I want, I want to try and set this up. But um, something happened in my life and I needed to move around. Ended up in Brighton. And I thought, well, at this point, you know, am I going to do millinery or am I not? I thought I should give it all up and be a buyer or something normal. Uh, because, you know, are you going to make money from millinery? Even though I love it. Can you make money? I don't know. I don't know anybody else who's a milliner. So um, I will try and be a buyer. Didn't work. <laughs> I'm like, no good at math. So I thought, what am I doing? So no, I really need to set this up. I was just making hats at home, just in my own time, thinking this is what I love. I really need to do this. So then I come from Somerset. Um, so I moved back to Somerset thinking I'll set up the business. I went to the Prince's Trust. They really helped. So I got some money from the Prince's Trust. And then I also got that matched by the bank. So that gave me a little bit of cash. So then I could sort of get my computer, get all my blocks, get all my cinemas and all of this. Um, and then get some sort of maybe some articles in magazines and get some advertising. So I started writing to the local magazines and I got into a few of those Sunday fashion magazines. So that was my start. And then luckily, it's such a fluke. I wrote to Harper's and I just said, well, I've made this hat and I put it on a head and I took it against a white wall. And that was it. I didn't even know those were pack shots in those days. I'm sort of finding <laughs> the way around. So I just took this picture of the hat thinking, well, it's got a white background, no mess. I'll send that in. And then they cut it out put it on a whiter background and put it in the magazine so I thought oh, wow. wow within a, a, well, a year of being at home I was in that magazine and then a few others and I thought I wanted to do wholesale so I started going around all of the different shops in different areas like Salisbury we traveled around and um, started getting sales that way just to bring in some extra income but um, I, you know, now I don't do wholesale, but I was building it up then. So slowly, slowly. And then I thought, right, now I need to go back to London. That's where I really want to be. So I'm just thinking of where the customers are. I mean, there's customers in Somerset, but are there enough? Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to be in London anyway. And I love the city and the architecture and all this. So that was my excuse to get back to London and then to, you know, really try and go for it then. So then it's just grown from that point. Did you see instant success when you were in those kind of magazines as in did you get people immediately contacting you saying I want one of your designs but not that many but I had about three so I had about three clients were ringing up and then wanting hats from that so you you assume that when you get into a magazine you're going to get hundreds but you don't always because people save it for the future so then and then they'll in those days they'd rip things out and save them but now it's all more online I think yeah I don't even know if it was existed then it was friends or my friend or something and um, so 
they, they, you know, they take things out and then they keep it. So don't ever be disheartened if you don't get anything. It's all brand building. But I did have a few customers, yeah, from that. And then, you know, you put that on your website and then other people come along and say, oh, she's been in this magazine. That's great. So you did, you started working for yourself relatively early then, didn't you? Mm -hmm. I must have been about 23 when I made that decision. I really need to do this properly. And I think I was about 26 when I moved back to London. And then it was a struggle in the early days. You're working part-time, you're trying to make hats, you're trying to find your customers. But I just just had a focus. I think you need to be focused and you need to have a strong drive for what you want to do. I thought nothing's going to stop me doing this. Nothing's going to get in my way. This is where I need to be. Everybody I met, I thought, what can I, what can they do for me? What can I get out of them in a way? You know, I, would, I wouldn't be so like that now, but then you're just so hungry for it that anything, yeah. any opportunity you want to look for, and that's really what you what you, what you need to be like. Um, and so it, it is hard at the beginning, and then slowly, slowly you're earning more money, and then it builds up. And what really helped me was I got a, a PR, and I said to her, I don't have money to pay you, but can I pay you on commission? And I said, I've got this idea of doing millinery events. Um, and I, because I had somebody rung up and they just said to me, could you do a millinery event where you just teach us how to make hats for a hen party? And I thought, okay, I can do that. I've always thought of them as classes, but never as doing it as a luxury sort of thing. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. Right. To my PR, you know, could you have a go at this? It blew up. It just got, we got, wow. so, it was a new thing to do. So we got into um, big newspapers. I think it was the Daily Candy we got into. Um, what's that one? It was, it's the, uh, the free newspapers that were out, the live, the oh yeah, the London paper, the live, the Metro, yeah, yeah, got into the Metro, um, London Light, got it was that one, got into that one, that was really good. So then we started getting some corporate interest and lots of sort of bridal interest. So that brought in money for then for me to then put back into my business and make hats and, and all the fabrics and everything. So then I could give up the part time work and just do this full time. So I have, I've always had a mixture of hats and that and building up, building up. Um, and, to, and then slowly, slowly over the years, I've been cutting down on the events and just doing big ones and um, making more hats. Mm. And how, when you were starting out, how competitive was it? Because obviously the fashion industry is very competitive, but because you've gone into slightly more of a niche, I guess, and, you know, you had, uh, we're young, which, which must be quite nice. It, was that a bit of a, a unique selling point, your age? Yeah, I suppose I always looked young as well. So I think people thought, you know, they come to me and they think, this is child making a hat for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it, I, I don't know, just sort of, I've always had that wanting to achieve, wanting to do it, and not tried not to worry about things, trying to be positive, trying to help other people being positive, um, and just whatever happened if any other bad things happened in my life then that's that but I'm going to be a hat designer I'm going to go for this so I always had that drive behind me and um how do you find your inspiration is it you go to fashion shows and and just look at what's coming out there and the trends and you know how how much does that influence you or is it all you know other influences is it all completely personal to you oh yeah designers influence me um say like de- decoration I love interior design so I, I get L, L decoration and magazine and in that you often have other artists 
like um, Thomas Heatherwick is, was in there, I remember. Um, and then I sort of thought, oh, we're going to discover more about him and then look at his architecture. And then that influences Haps as well. Whenever you go on holiday, um, you, you know, you pick up influences. I have a Turkish husband, so that sort of brings in influence whenever we go away. Uh, so I, I always take inspiration from other things and from life and just love looking at at work and I don't it's, it's not always hats I'm not there looking at other designers it probably should other hat designs I probably should do that more but I'm looking at more fashion designers um architecture like I say interiors and uh, nature um love the countryside so anything like that just the way twigs are forming um the way leaves are on the ground sometimes I I pick up leaves and I'll dry them and I'll put them in PVA and then I'll spray them or, or just leave them as they are and then put those on hats so when I was younger I did a whole collection on with twigs and leaves um and then I won a show actually I was in a magazine oh no sorry in a fashion show and I won this I think I did. Yeah, I won that one, the accessories, wasn't it? It wasn't just hats, it was accessories. And then I got my collection into Hobbs because of that. So the prize was get your collection into Hobbs. So I thought, oh, that's amazing. So that was um, pheasant feathers, twigs and leaves. So that all came from nature. So a lot of inspiration. And when people come to you, are they coming to you with an idea of what they want? Or do you sort of say, this is what I can do? They tend to, it's slightly different most of the time. They come to me and they say, well, I've got this dress. I don't know what I want, but I don't want anything too big <laughs> um, <laughs> most of the time. And then, you know, what can you do with this? So I'm like, okay, you've got this cut on the dress. You've got this this sort of neckline. You've got this pattern on it, um, this, you know, V-neck or maybe there's pleats or something else. So we'll bring that into the design. I always take something from the outfit to bring into the design. And then the colour as well, obviously, you've got to bring that in. But the hat, if the dress is busy, the hat can't be busy like the dress. So the hat will be simple. And if the dress is very plain, you can go a little bit more mad with the hat. So we'll work out a design um, and then I'll mock it up and they'll come back to me sort of halfway through a few weeks later to check it's all okay. But some of the clients I have just want crazy. And I really love that. I really love my ascot time when they say, come in and make, say, make it bigger, make it bigger. Oh, I had one lady once. Who wanted, she was, I think she was judging at a, uh, a show in Bath. Um, and she wanted a hat that was, it was ended up being a metre wide. And there was this, she wanted it light blue. So we did it light blue. And we had this metre long piece. And I said, no, I'm sorry. I think this is just too big. It's just too straight. It's on its own. We put a few curves in it and things, but it's, it's sort of very high. It might wobble. Um, and she said, no, 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 it's brilliant. I want it this big. And I want two more added. And I said, two. Oh my God. So what? So I had to make this massive piece with three big long stripes of cinema coming up and it was crazy. But is there, is there a limit at all at these events of how big your hat can be? I suppose it could be, it could be a slight joke if it gets too big. So yeah. it to be to seen as a joke or novelty. Because Ascot's great, you always see these crazy, crazy hats. But if they think it's a novelty, they don't like it so much if you've got something silly on it. I think but it's, it's not so good. But if it's made in a really nice way, then brilliant. But I did last time I went to Ascot. I, I, th I think she's normally there, actually. There was a woman with a big round hat. Probably everybody listening to this will know who she is. And it was probably a metre wide either side, you know, and it weighed, it weighed her down. But it was probably held up with lots of metal and things. So she was doing that for press attention. But that's fun if that's what you want to do. But that's sort of a novelty-ish hat. 
And do you head down to Ascot and see how many of your hats you can spot? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and looking through the magazines afterwards to see what you can spot. Yeah, of course. Now, one client got, well, a few clients, but the last one before COVID was um, got into Tatler as one of the best hats. So I was really pleased with that. I was like, oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. That really is. <laughs> How much do people tend, obviously it's hard to know how much they pay, you know, every hat will be different, but what's the kind of ballpark or what does the range go from when someone asks you for design? And also how long does it take? Like, for example, how long does the one you're wearing take? I take it that's one of your designs. Mm -hmm. So hats take, headpieces of fascinators at least a day, I'd say. Um, You know, you're talking six or seven hours, but that's a small thing. And that's something simple that you know what you're doing. You can block it, you can wire it and everything. But I would I would say really two hats, two days, sorry, for a headpiece. And then if you're having something like this, more of a sculptural piece, three days. Mm-hmm. Um, depending if you're, you're what you're doing with it, most of it is always made in-house with me. I might need to order certain things in I'm putting on or I might need to send it away for something to be done to it and come back. Or, but most of the time it's like three days. But then if you're seeing your clients as well, like first consultation and then a middle consultation and then end one, that's an hour each. Mm. And then you might need to send them sketches and emails and all this. So you can talk a week to make one big hat. So you do need to charge your prices. And I probably, you know, I need to put my prices up really. I, I wouldn't say I'm you know, some people, milliners charge 3000 4000 more than that for a big hat. Wow. So I'm sort of on the lower end, but I should be charging more, really, because of the time that goes into all of these hats. And um, it's not just that. It's like your experience. So everything that you've learned in the past, all that like, 10 years previous experience, um, before I even sort of started going to doing it all full time, it was still learning and training and working with people. And I've been making hats probably nearly 20 years now. So all of that time and putting all that together with your design skills as well. So that's what they're paying for. Some people think that they'll look at maybe a shop and they'll think, well, that's 150. So that's what hats are. But they don't think about this is different for you. It's unique. It's uh, the, all the designing. It goes behind it. It's going to be something special for you. I want the person to be able to keep that hat. And then it's like children or grandchildren in a hundred years time or somebody else who's they've sold it to has got that hat and can look at it and it's still as nice as it was. Or if they take it apart, it looks as nice inside as it does on the outside. Mm. That sort of, I want it to be special and passed down rather than throwaway fashion. You know, oh god absolutely <laughs> I was going to ask ask you about sustainability as well in the fashion industry and and the materials you use is that important to you looking at you know where you source your materials and and how they're produced yeah so I like using I'm really into recycled things now so I'm starting to bring that into more collections and saving any bit of stuff I find that, that I can recycle and put in but otherwise like nice um, you know high-end fabrics and things like that I try and make sure that the companies I use are sustainable like you know make sure I ring them up and make sure that the, where they're getting it from they're looked after um, some of the companies you know they actually with the straws and things they actually go out there and to say it's made um, in Indonesia or somewhere they might go out there and check that they're being looked after and then they show us with photos so we can see that actually that it's, it's fine. So I do be careful where I'm getting things from. And um, some, if I'm not sure about a company, I'll ask. And if they're not sure, 
or if they if I think they're talking rubbish, then I won't I won't use them. I use um, a company in Devon a lot for feathers because they have a pheasant farm anyway, so they collect feathers up and then they do beautiful things with them. Oh, so I don't wow. want to go to somebody who has like a f- big farm industry um that's not treating the animals very well i'll rather go to somebody who's got pheasants anyway and who's collecting up feathers and then do beautiful things with them so yeah we do look i do look into that um and also because it's all handmade and it's it's sustainable in that way it's not mass produced it's not something you're going to chuck away you're spending a lot of money on it you're going to keep that piece so if i have a client that has a hat i always say to them if you want to wear this same hat next year because they tend to come every other year so you wouldn't always need a hat every year because they might need it for um, a wedding or they might need it for the races so they're not necessarily going to be able to have a hat every year but um, if they can't, then I say to them, I could change a feather or change a little bit about that hat, bring it back to me. And then, you know, you can go to the event again with a similar hat, but it'll have a, another unique point to it. Yeah, that's nice. That's really nice. So where you're designing for these events that people love to go to, you know, your ascots and weddings, we just... We've just had a year of nothing, pretty much. You know, events have been cancelled. How did you cope then when that's such a core part of your business? Mm. At the beginning, I remember hearing, because I had an Italian girl um, helping me out at the time. And in Italy, I think they were shutting down right at the beginning. And I'm thinking, why are we not shutting down? We weren't doing it quick enough. I assumed that we would shut down for four weeks, it would die off, and then we'd open up again. Yeah, I think everyone did. Shut us down quickly, so then we can open up again, and I can get on with it, because summer is coming. Um, And then, no, we shut down, and then we shut, and then we stayed shut, and then we stayed, and I can't believe that. I just couldn't believe what was going on. And, yeah, so it all finished. I had clients that were um, going to weddings, mother of the brides and things, and they were saying to me, obviously, I can't have the hat. We're going to have to postpone the wedding. So they moved it, um, saying, we'll come back to you and move it to another date. And then I had a few, because I do my millinery events as well, and I had a few clients there, obviously, I couldn't have it either. Then we have had no personal millinery events all year. So that was a, a lot of my income, that and, and clients' hats. But luckily, no one has said, can I have my money back? Everyone said, well, we'll, we'll when we can, we'll do it. So I've got people who've now postponed till September, and just fingers crossed this year. So fingers crossed um, that'll be okay. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see. But luckily I had my academy, which I just started. So I just put all my attention into that. I thought I really want to help people right now. Everyone was just, um, you know, worrying, anxiety, getting stressed about it. And I'm like, well, we've got to put a positive spin on this. It's all going to be fine. It's all going to end. So let's get making, creating and every Monday, you know, I've got a free group, free millinery group. And every Monday I put on a motivational Monday and I try and oh. get everyone, you know, like, come on, don't worry. If you've got anxiety, this is how you can deal with it. If you want to create, this is how you can do it. Um, if you want to do things now, get your website up, get your photographs done, get ready for me open again, yeah. um, you know, and trying to give them advice and tips. And then um, straight away I put on a millinery challenge and it was a free one. Oh, I saw this on your website, yeah. So we got loads of people interested, and I think the last one we did was over a 1,000 people joined in on it. So I did two in three months, and then I left it three months, and I did another one. I think it was we sort of opened up again, didn't we? And then we closed again, so then I did another one. Um, and then in three, at the end of Feb, we're going to do another one, just to keep everyone motivated and making. And then everyone's going, oh, they were sharing their work, and they love it. Um, and we had prizes for the best ones and things like that. And so 
so it's been really fun doing that and just keeping everyone motivated and that's really helped me so it's it's sort of um, I know that now I'm I'm helping others and getting them into hats. And we've got so many more people now who never thought they'd be a milliner, who are obsessed with it, who want to be a milliner. So there's going to be more milliners now when we go back, you know, thinking, yeah, I can do this. And then working towards making it a success, which is fabulous. Because every milliner is different. Every milliner has got a different style. So I don't mind how many there are because you you work in a different way. You want different clients. You, you have a different style. And people will come to you for your style. So it's it's fine it's just you know I have a lovely community now that is so lovely I think what's been nice about what I've been doing is speaking to people this year you know what a year to talk about jobs but um it is a lot of people especially now we've been in it for quite a long time is just realizing what good has actually come out of this time Mm -hmm. you know and, and being able to give back in that way and actually see talent being created and and going back to the craft because I imagine you know when you run a business the business part can take over a bit can't it or you can get a bit tunnel vision because it's about the business and you know you might forget or, or just sometimes not think about it as much about what it is you love about the job and and actually this year has given that to people that ability to step back a little bit and think actually this is why I set this up or this is the bit I actually love yeah they've been making a lot more so yeah getting back to creativity you're right when I'm in my business sometimes I can really get stuck in the business side of it and then think oh my god I've got to make my new collection I've got to show work we've got to get more and if I don't do that then I'll get no new business in the future so yeah so so I can get like that and get tunnel vision as well so it's it's lovely that everyone's been able to have chance to make and create um and some people have had you know it's obviously been very stressful for people but other t- people have just had more of a chilled time um so it's been different and I've just been trying to help with it as much as I can with people um, and I've got the millinery academy as well so I've just been building that up and that sort of really helped but I have had clients like stylists and I'm working with a designer I made about eight hats for her um, and a couple of clients and when we have opened the shop because it's been sporadically closing and opening when it has opened we've had a few customers in there so that's sort of ticking over as well um, and now I'm really focusing on PR and pushing that for this year so I think but hopefully by the summer we'll be back to normal and we can have Ascot. Yeah, and are you starting to get a sense of people are feeling hopeful and, and looking to to plan around those events? See, we've got a vaccine that's being rolled out. There's a, a feeling now, isn't there? Like, yeah. oh my God, life could be slowly on the horizon again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not long now to get back to it. Yeah, um, definitely. People, um, you know, the events are starting to, people starting to wake up to that. Um, and then uh, people are planning weddings for the end of the year more sort of September um definitely I'm mixing with a lot of wedding planners they're all getting excited because the things are starting to trickle back in again so people are just hopeful excited really hope that we won't have any bad news and we can get back to normal I watched this awful film last night I turned it off after about 15 minutes talking about COVID-23 I'm not listening to that this is all going to be fine (laughs) (laughs) no yeah you need to turn that off put Bridgerton on or something (laughs) love that (laughs) that's great inspiration this is a bit of a strange question but obviously art and fashion is very inspired by culture are we gonna are we gonna see reflections of this year do you think in in style and you know obviously in in 
more abstract ways you know I don't mean everyone's going to carry on wearing the face mask walking around but you know are we going to see the impact of this year reflected in in different arts and and could millinery be that in a way definitely I think it always reflects um so when they do the trends they're always looking at what's in the news and then if something big happens then that comes into the trend so I think it will but last year they were talking about this year being really big for masks and I just think when we're out of this no one's going to want to wear masks we might have to carry on a little bit but I don't know if that's going to be big I think everyone's going to switch to being glamorous that's going to come back this whole Bridgerton thing is really lovely I think that's going to affect it a lot more people are going to wear small fascinators and um, headpieces you know headpieces are really big so they're going to come back as well Um, feathers and sparkles I think all that's going to be good and then Ascot are people going to want to go mad because they haven't you know people were dying to go last year and to all the races and couldn't go so they're going to be double one of the doubly big this year (laughs) (laughs) my crazy pieces so I think that will but also futuristic People are really looking into the future, um, using sustainable fabrics. We're we're more talking about nature, preserving the environment. I love that side of it. It's come out of COVID and just trying to really think about that and think what we're doing. I'm recycling an awful lot more now and bought another bin because we want to have like bigger recycling area because otherwise it was just stacking up, (laughs) Um, you know, just sort of trying to just be a bit more conscious about things, get out in nature a lot more. So that is going to influence um, and using sustainable things and then futuristic sort of fabrics and colours. Um, you know, when you get my, you get a silver fabric, but then it shines in the lights and it's got a bit of green and purple in it. These sort of fabrics, I think, will come in quite big. You touched upon just a second ago the academy that you set up. Just talk through what that is. So it's a online academy. Uh, it's called the Millinery and Business Academy. And it's it's a membership site so you don't just pay for a course or a class you're in a community so anybody who joins every other month we put on a new millinery bundle new millinery training and then every other month we put on a business training so it's like one millinery then business then millinery then business all the millinery side I always bring in experts so they might be talking about websites or um, photography or PR or anything to sort of help you and then on the hat side of it I mean I've done ascot hats trilbies straw um, panama hats um, leather we've done like oh god we had loads of things and then we have in some great experts as well so we had judy bentick we had svetlana folker coming in about um fab sorry flowers doing clematis flowers and teaching that um so we have had some lovely people we've had interviews with people as well and then on the on top of that you've got every at the end of every month we have a q a so they can come on and ask questions last night we did bridal because i just finished a bridal like tutorial we were there for an hour and a half and so many people came on asking questions normally it's about an hour and I thought oh we've got to end this at some point <laughs> it was just really lovely though to see everyone and then we've got a Facebook group as well like a private one just for everybody in the academy so then we can chat and talk and we've got a hat down Friday I do every Friday so then they can ask questions then just trying to keep everyone motivated because I think if you're left on your own you just feel a bit, um, especially now, you can lose your enthusiasm for it or lose your mojo for it. Um, and you need people around you to help you and pick you back up and, and keep you going. And when I first started, I didn't have anything like that. And I 
I also wanted to make it affordable. So it is really affordable. And at the beginning, I didn't have a lot of money to pay for courses. That's why I went to work for milliners. Even though I wasn't getting paid, that's fine for me because I was learning so much from them. Mm -hmm. And then I was giving back by making for them. So that was my way of doing it. I couldn't afford all these courses, which are a few hundred pounds each. So I've tried to make this, it's a roll-on fee. So it's it's a small amount out and you paying like 100 or 200 pounds for a course every time um and then it's the community with it as well which i really love yeah that's lovely that's it's almost it's almost the way people do kind of fitness these days as well isn't it is developing that community and keeping people engaged and connected which these days you know you need more than ever mm. and like you say motivated and just i mean so many people pick things up and they they stop because there isn't that person saying come on you're doing well or come on it's good yeah Yeah, definitely we've also got a VIP area in there as well if anybody wants extra and then every month we get together and they they sort of show me their work and then I mark it and then I crit and then I tell them what they could do better or what they've done which is brilliant what they could do with this like stitching this that so they're really then those people um, are really intensely wanting to learn it properly and um, learn everything so that's really nice and that's another bit of the community so they're all getting to know each other but that little group and then they share it in the in the rest of the group where everybody else is getting to know each other so yeah they can all chat so that's nice I'm building a community at home <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing all this from home at the moment yeah, you know, it's incredible we've got the time haven't we all that time we spent commuting <laughs> yeah I'm saving two hours a day <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm conscious of time also, but you would recommend this then as a career, but you would need to be passionate about it, would you say? Yeah. Don't do it just because you want to make money out of it. You have to love it. So you you have to you have that burning desire to want to be it and be a hat designer and then you will get there so all the people that stick it out they're the ones that end up being very successful everybody else drops off as as it goes so you get less people at the top but those are the people that really love it and really passionate about it I mean you have ups and downs like I've had in my the time of doing this like the last 17 years whatever it is I've had a couple of days where I've thought I'm not doing this anymore I don't want to do it but then I've you know stop think to thought about it and the next day carried on and I'm so glad it's whenever you get to those really tricky points if you carry on the good stuff is on the other side of that if you stopped you'd you just you regret it you know you don't know if you'd ever be a big success you can't ever give up on it you just keep going and I love it I do get obsessed with hats and I get obsessed with the fact I can run my own business I can do what I want when I want to do it so I'm making the rules I'm writing the list of what needs to be done I can bring in other people to help me and get VAs and and sort of people certain people um and no one is telling me what to do as in a way because you know sometimes if you've got a boss he can tell you what to do and you can disagree with him and that's so annoying if you you have to do it (laughs) (laughs) but the fact that you can work for yourself and make for clients and make beautiful things for them um, it's, it's lovely and you can make your own collections and in that time you're free to make whatever you want <laughs> yeah it's very special very special and you've got people that work for you as well are they sort of contractors or do you do you employ people um, it's, it's contractors yeah so I would have people when I need it they would come in and help with events or they would help make hats uh, all freelance people um, then I have people to help with social media now um, I've just employed a marketing person to help with that I've always done it myself before but just someone to build up more strategies um, and I've got Holly who 
who's my VA, who is also freelance, so she can do it all from her office. Um, we just chat by Zoom, so that's lovely. So I don't have to have lots of people around me. Um, you know, it's nice to have people around you, but if you can't, you, it doesn't have to. You have to because my shop is in London, and it's not huge. Um, it's very expensive to have shops in London, but we're in the Oxo Tower, which is lovely. Oh, I love so that, yeah. the units aren't that big. But I share with a jeweler, and she's so funny. She's listening to this. I just love her. <laughs> she's so funny. We get on so well. So, um, you know, she has the jewellery side. I have the hat side. And we have our workshops in the shop at the back. Nice. We're there. Oh, so. lovely. So where can people find out more about you? Um, so if they go to Catherine Elizabeth Hats or Catherine Elizabeth Millinery, then you'll see information on there. So you see me as a hat designer. And then if you're interested in learning about how to make hats, there's a tab at the top, which says membership. And then you can go there. And we only open the doors every three months. Okay. So it's a closed membership. It's open every three months. So if anybody wants to do that, then, then brilliant. Um, sign up to the wait list. But we in, otherwise join Inspiring Creative Milliners free Facebook group come and join that all free we have um we have challenges every three months and we've got one at the end of this month so that's going to be all fun and they last three days so sort of three sessions so you can join in on that and then there's loads of milliners that will give you help and advice and I do my motivational Mondays in there and come up so if you just want to test me out and see what what we're about and get to know other people then you can come and join that free group amazing but if you if you want more hats then you go to Catherine's with millinery and see that all of the hat creations and everything and I'm going to have to post a picture of us talking now just to show off that incredible hat that you're wearing I mean I feel like such a slob here next to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving your microphone there that's just silver and spangly yeah that is yeah that's uh showing me up a bit yeah, there now <laughs> yeah well Catherine it's been a pleasure to speak to you it really has and learn more and I've loved just scouring your your website I do recommend looking at your social media and website just purely for the beautiful creations that you have on there and uh, yeah it's been it's been really lovely to to learn more about it and yeah please do anyone listening that's interested in in this line of work it sounds like those fantastic resources can be really helpful so definitely log on to them oh, yeah you. I know you've got a uh, You've got a Facebook yeah, a live in a minute, so yeah. A Facebook live, yeah. Quickly go and go to the loo, go and get a cuppa, and then uh, and then do that one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, thank you so sweet. much for having me. Oh, no, it's lovely. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. That was Catherine Elizabeth of Catherine Elizabeth Hats. Check out her website where there is lots of information on the Millinery Academy and challenges that she runs. But also make sure you check out her social media to see her incredible designs, really beautifully sculpted pieces. And I will post a picture of our chat so you can see the amazing hat she was wearing that I was just mesmerized by. Now, next week, I chat to a chocolatier called Maya, founder of Play in Choc, an organic chocolate company that blends beautiful chocolate with creative play and education for children, as well as being made without refined sugars. It uses biodegradable and recycled and recyclable packaging and educates children about the harmful effects of plastic waste on the natural world. Well, we, uh, we, have, we have a supplier in UK, which is fairly traded. We are um, certified organic, slave-free, child labour-free, animal labour-free. And, um, and we are um, accredited by Soil Association as well, so it's really high standard. And also by vegan 
and kosher. So yeah, we, we buy the ingredients, um, all 100% organic ingredients. And then we have our little our factory in Uxbridge where we put them together. <laughs> so really, really interesting and incredible company and a great chat. So make sure you tune in. See you then.